0: This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Weaver Leather. Choosing a new cinch can be a daunting task. With so many shapes, styles, and features on the market, how do you know which one to choose? This Synergy Airflex Cinch has many benefits for horses, from competition to trail riding. Backed by a no-risk 90-day test ride guarantee, you can't go wrong trying out the Airflex Cinch. Designed with cool flex foam and airflow channels, this is a great fit for horses of all backgrounds and disciplines to keep them cool and comfortable. Learn more about AirFlex cinches by visiting www.ridethebrand.com slash exclusives slash AirFlex.
1: over the years, say I go ride with somebody, could be one of my kids, could be another great horseman or horsewoman out there, and I'm having a little trouble with something, and they'll tell me something, and I've told this to them afterwards, I said, that's the exact same thing I've been telling that middle-aged woman who has that backyard overweight horse that came to my clinic last week, and I told her the exact same thing, but it was just at a different level, nothing changes, the principles are all the same, like I know this. So what I'm teaching people in the minor leagues, I need to take that and apply it in a major league. It's, it, the fundamentals don't change. It's still a matter of being able to, to hit that ball or, or keep your elbows straight when you're swinging the club or whatever it might be. So, so many times I've seen that true and just makes me a little frustrated myself, but, uh, but it just shows the continuity of the horsemanship fundamentals that need to be there.
2: Well and I, I think it also shows that like it doesn't matter who you are, what you've won, what you've done over the years, we can always learn and we can always progress and and you're never gonna be perfect when it comes to these horses. That would just be too boring, right? Oh
1: my goodness. This is it takes a lifetime to figure this out. And and you ladies sound a little younger than me. I'm running out of time. I gotta get get the lead out here. Uh because it it's not something that you master in a in a few months or years, and, well I got that. It's it just goes on and on, and on the side of my trailer, it says, enjoy the journey, and the story behind that is, we're never going to get to the destination, we're never going to get there, uh, because there's there's just always something else to learn, another level of horsemanship to attain, and so we need to enjoy the progress that we're making, enjoy the moments that we have with our horses, and, and the things that we're learning, and they're learning, uh, if you're just going to be frustrated until you get to the get to the end, there is no end. Got to enjoy the journey.
2: So you've mentioned a couple of times that you work with. I mean, the top. I mean, you're, first of all, your daughter is one of the top horsemen in the world. But you've also worked with other horsemen and women who who have you know been a big part of the the cow horse industry or the reining industry or, or what may it be. Um, do you have any like? has there any bit has there ever been any kind of like advice or or feedback from one that just really stuck with you over the years is there anything that you really just like think back on and kind of apply to your everyday riding
1: hmm. well of course there's there's so much and they're all just little bits and pieces that fit into the whole when i when we were in california i moved to southern california and i didn't realized it at first but then i realized oh wow i only live five miles from ted robinson and for years he was the man and he's an icon in the in the cow horse industry he won the snaffle bit security seven times uh nobody's ever going to do that again that's never going to happen and so he was the guy and he was so gracious and i probably wouldn't be showing cow horses today had he not you know been the help that he had been showing me how to play the game and so patient and and treated me like a peer when I really was not uh and so hats off to him just one funny story that i that I tell about what he told me one time as I'm trying to bump up my game, become more competitive, where for so many years i've I've just helped people just get just get along with your horse you know and and present a good deal to your horse and take the fighting and scrapping out of it. Uh, and, and that's all well, but I was working a cow down the fence at Ted Robinson's and and trying to get down there and get in position and get the cow turned, and uh, and then Ted said, hey, whoa, whoa, pull up, pull up. Richard, come here. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know what you look like? I said, what's that? He says, you look like somebody who doesn't want to win anything. <laughs> what? <laughs> and what he was saying is, Hey, you, you can't just play sandlot baseball here. We're not, are it's not just patty kicking around. You're asking your horses to step up to the plate, uh, at a professional level here and just, a pony lope around like you do at your clinics. That ain't going to cut it. I'm thinking that if I had a bunch of kids and we were playing T ball and they were on my team and it was a little hot, I might say, "Our oh, kids, it's hot. Let's just go get a snow cone. But, if you're on a major league, major league baseball team and you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, uh coach might say, "You know what? Double practices today, boys. You really want to be on this team and so it it's taking everything to another level." Uh and I find myself even today I can go do all the maneuvers and and I compete and sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't do as well, but I I I've, I've, I've got to step up my game and and there, there's another level of intensity uh, and mental preparedness and athleticism that the horses and riders have who are beating me, and so that always uh, stuck with me over the years. It's kind of funny, but he he was such a big help. And you know, anymore, uh, some of my biggest help and and greatest mentors uh, is my little girl and her husband. Uh, they they are amazing and they show me so much and. My son-in-law, Chris, and him and his wife were both million-dollar riders in the National Rain Cow Association. That makes me a million-dollar sire. You can go ahead and put that in the footnotes. Uh, but he would, when we moved down here, I would go out and get help from him and say, hey, I'm showing you some things here, but don't. Don't throw away who you are. You're you're not going to be Chris Dawson. You're not going to be Sarah Dawson. You're going to be Richard Winters. And if we can show you a technique or a little aid or something you can incorporate into what you're doing, but don't try to do it the way we do it. Uh, that's not going to fit you. It's not going to fit well on you. And I thought that was really good advice. He said, hey, you've been doing – for 30 or 40 years, you've been doing successful things with horses. And I'm not asking you to throw all that away. I'm just – giving you little bits and pieces that you can add on to what you're doing so that it becomes uniquely yours because I think that you and I and everyone who goes and gets help we're we're going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be ill fitting to try to be someone else to put on someone else and so of late I've been thinking of that a lot and applying my own horsemanship principles that have always been important to me, but incorporating some of these new techniques and maybe some things that I haven't thought about uh, and have it fit into what I'm already doing.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned your daughter, Sarah, and I know that you guys have both participated in the road to the horse and you together and you alone, I think. So can you just tell us a little bit about that and your experience with that and how you were able to do that with Sarah?
1: Well, that has just been such a fun ride, and you can imagine if you're a parent and you have a child who's interested in the same things that you are, and uh, and so she's always been a horse-crazy girl. That's what she's always done, Um, but when she was very young then, she was uh, getting thoroughbreds and, and quarter ponies and training them and showing them and selling them, and she had more money in the bank than I did. Uh, but she would go off to one of our clients who was a three-day eventer, and she'd go ride with her for the weekend, and they'd go to a horse show. And I was going to cow horse shows, and then I talked her into this idea of, hey, sell this thoroughbred mare, and let's go partners on this bridle horse, and I'll show them in the open, and you'll show them in the youth. And so that got us back together again, going to these horse shows, and it was just so much fun. And she just started cleaning up, you know, in all the youth classes, and you know, won the youth limited world and then the next year she won the, the, the youth world where they go down the fence and, and then she started uh, riding in the open and yeah it's just been such a great ride. She rode with us for years then she went out and people people saw her and said hey does Sarah want a job and she went off uh, to Joanne Carollo's and she went to Sandy Collier's and then she went to uh, John Roser's then she went to Carol Rose's and and she actually came back to us for a little bit, and and then she got married, and that was was the end of that game, Uh, but yes, it's been so fun to see her uh, accomplish what she has, and I would suppose that if our kids come and rise to our level and then exceed anything we've ever done, which she certainly has, uh, I mean, how pleased are we with that? It's like that old samurai movie where the master and the student are having a sword fight, and the young student knocks the sword out of the master's hand, and the master says, oh, you master now, uh, and so the roles have really changed, and that was a big deal for her last year to gain the million-dollar status in the cow horse thing. Uh, that, that takes a lot of work to win a million dollars uh, because there has not been that much money up historically. Uh, in cutting, you know, there's multi-million-dollar riders because uh, there's just more money in it. So for her to be part of that club, and then she won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, our Bit futurity, and and now I go over and and uh, take lessons from her. She, but sometimes she just kind of rolls her eyes at me. Oh, Dad, just just you'll figure it out. I said, No, no, don't tell me that. Tell me how to do it.
2: I love it. I I have to say, like I you know recently kind of got into the cowhorse world and and seeing Sarah, I, I haven't had the opportunity to talk with Sarah yet, but I, seeing her and Erin Tormino, I'm like, I talk with a lot of professionals, but I think I, like, I'm like, I, I fangirl over them, and I told Erin that the first time I talked to her, I was like, I'm totally fangirling right now, because you don't understand how much I look up to, to Sarah, and, and also Erin, because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see a lot of women trainers in there, and then to see Sarah, you know, she's the second woman to ever win the Snapple Bit fraternity, and she's just, She's breaking these glass ceilings, and I, you know, as a female rider, I just have so much respect for her.
1: Oh, yeah, you bet. And, of course, Aaron, is a friend of ours. Uh, Aaron and Sarah are very close, and she's also a world-class competitor and has worked very hard at it for so many years. And, and that's the fun thing about this sport. Uh, although, if you look at the numbers, it is dominated by men, but there's, there's not a handicap uh, for women. There's no reason why a woman with desire can't go out and uh, be very competitive, as both those both those ladies have shown. If you're willing to put in the time and the energy, you can be just as successful.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um,
2: so what kind of, you know, advice would you give somebody? Well, I guess actually, let's go back. I lost my train of thought there for a second. So you kind of got into the cowboy dressage too, right? Is that kind of something you ventured into?
1: Well, here's the deal with that. We have some – some good friends uh, that really started uh, that association. Um, uh, Atom Beth Halakmi and his wife Debbie uh, were very instrumental in that. Jack Brainerd helped them a lot in getting that up and going. And so we were doing some other events with them. They used to call it Light Hands Horsemanship out in California, and so that introduced me to what they were doing. And then they said, "Hey, you should come and compete." And you know, with my clinic schedule and such. Uh, I only got one game I can really play, and it was the cow horse thing, and I, I don't get to as many of those as I want to. But they were doing some kind of top-hand world finals or whatever. And so I'd never competed, but I went, and I, I tried to figure out what the game was and uh, had a little bit of success in that thing. But that was just – it was kind of a one-off. It was a lot of fun. But now here's the deal. Uh, I did, and I, and I made the finals. If, if we had to do the whole thing over – I bet. I don't know. I don't know if I'd even place because, as it should be, everybody that follows that thing has just continued to bump up their game, and I just showed up with a broke horse and did pretty well. But people are riding better horses. Their their horsemanship is increasing, and so people who have gotten into that and have just taken it to a whole new level. Uh, which, again, as it should be, uh, you ladies would remember when they. AQHA said, we're going to do the ranch horse versatility thing. And and if the horses, you know, have to do simple lead changes in the middle, that's cool. We want to give opportunity for people that don't have that very expensive horse to come out and show, and maybe people that come from the ranch. Well, that's great, but it has all evolved, and there are some really good horses in that thing now. And nobody does a drop to a trot lead change in there. That uh, The game has just continued to, to bump up. So that's what happened with me and the Cowboy Dressage. I think that the event itself is super, you know, whenever there's one more thing that people can do with horses and be involved and stay motivated is great, but there was a group of people that wanted to refine their horsemanship. They wanted to ride more precisely, more exactly, have better body control over their horses, but for whatever reason, they're not into or desiring speed, and this is the perfect thing for them. They walk. They trot. They lope a little bit, but there's, there's, it's not like the cow horse thing or uh, where you have to go super fast. And so it, it keeps them very comfortable, helps them feel very safe, but but still helps them excel and and get better. So so I'm all for it. I've not had the opportunity since then to to do much of it, but but I'm I'm in on that thing. I'm I'm a big proponent of the cowboy dressage.
0: Would you say that you know when you first started working? Towards the cowboy dressage, were, were the fundamentals that you needed, things that your horses had, or did you kind of have to adjust things?
1: No, really, I was, I was good because I could move my horse's body parts around. He knew how to canter depart. He, he had a first, second, and third gear, and I could move his hip over and move his shoulder over, and he stayed soft in the bridle. So all I needed to do was understand the technical parts of that game and uh, and and what the judge is looking for. And I probably would have done better had I understood even more. Uh, so that's the way it was for me. And it reminds me of some contemporaries that I have, world-class horsemen that do the clinic thing, and they're very, very talented. And a couple of them have dipped their toe into the cow horse thing, which I thought was great. Yeah, come out and do it. But one of those individuals told me one time, he said, well, I knew he was getting ready to show at the maturity. I said, "Hey, have you found some guys that can uh that you're riding with that are helping you?" And he said, "Well, you know what? I I know horses and I know cattle. I'm all right. I said, oh, okay, <laughs> it's all right." Well, I remember after the horse show was all over, I said, "Man, so great that you were here, and I hope you come back and and show some more. This is super fun." And it, he just looked at me and said, "I wasn't ready for this because it." How would you know how to play this game? It is a game that has rules, that has techniques, and you can't just be a great horseman uh, and know how to train a horse if you're going to do a particular discipline. And that's the way I was in Cowboy Dressage. Uh, You've you got to figure out what is the expectation there and what are they looking for. Uh, so it, uh, that was very telling in that example right there.
2: I have to also add to that, like, yes, when you go to a new event like that, or, you know, I I went from the all around to the cow horse and and it was all different. But what people also don't tell you is how different the horse shows are run. So like, I've been to a million quarter horse shows in my life and, and, uh, you know, whatever. But when I went to my first cow horse show, I was sitting there going like, wait, what do I need to take to the entry booth? Or, you know, like, how do I do this? Or what's that?
1: And, (laughs)
2: And there's just, so much to take in when you go and transition over to a new sport, even outside of the arena,
1: yeah, that's right uh, and you know hopefully whoever is running that show uh, whoever the the administrators are in the association recognize that their their life blood and and their sustainability depends on you and that they are willing to hold your hand and answer the what they might consider a dumb question or or whatever. Uh, so that you can feel comfortable. Like I have a, a gentleman here with me right now that I sold a horse to. He's ridden all his life but never shown a cow horse, and so now he's going to the cow horse show and shows with me. And I'm just able to walk him through that process. Okay, let's go over to the office right now. This is going to sound really funny, but you're going to give them a blank check right now. Well, you've known all your life. You don't give anybody a blank check. You don't sign a check and hand it to somebody. Well, unless you go to an NRCHA show, that's exactly what you do the first day you get there. That way, if you forget to come back to the office at the end of the show, they'll just fill in the amount you owe and mail you a receipt uh and you know simple things like that or do we uh do we pre-order the bedding or do we get the bedding once we get there and uh okay now you're done coming out of the arena you just showed your horse don't just walk away because there's someone standing at the gate that wants you to take your bridle off and they want to see that bit and they're going to make sure it's a, a regulation bit so just all these little things and how would you know you know unless someone showed you or you just go to the school of hard knocks uh so having somebody to walk you through that process and the entry forms can look so daunting and all the different categories. And I know in the NRCHA, they changed some names of some of the entry-level classes, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So uh, it just takes a little while to get handy, but it's like anything. It, you know, it seems like Greek, like it's all a foreign language, but once you've done it, then you get more comfortable with it. And, you know, you sent me in front of an engine that was all tore apart on the floor of the garage. I said, huh? Ah, I don't know. I'm out of here. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, but a mechanic knows.
0: That's so true. And I think it's really important that people like you and and other trainers and show staff recognize that, you know, the, the people who are coming to the industry, the new people to the industry, they're so important. And we have to make sure that, you know, they feel comfortable and want to come back because otherwise it's just, you know, never going to grow anymore. So I think that, you know, you recognizing that is certainly going to help the industry quite a bit. Um, and same with your clinics, you know. I I love that you're able to kind of, like, relate to the the. – I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I
1: think
2: I know <laughs> what Hold you're going to
1: say. To be able to relate to the people that are there, you know what I tell people in my opening remarks? I don't know what you think about Richard Winters or, or if you think I'm really talented or whatever. I said, I am more like you then I am not like you. I'm just a little kid that loved horses, and I've been spending my whole life wanting to be around horses, wanting to get better with horses, and I'm thinking that you folks, that's the same reason why you're here. Why would you show up here on Saturday morning if you didn't love horses and want to get better with them? And so we're really all in the same boat here. I'm not I'm not something separate from you. Now, I, I have the privilege of going out and doing it every day and, and actually getting paid a dollar to do it which a lot of people can only dream about making their living with horses. But there are more similarities with you and me than there are dissimilarities. And what helps me, I think, keep my attitude right in that regard also is, you know, I want them to swing the rope and have the horse move away. And they're just – they seem kind of inept and they're kind of clumsy and they're not getting it. Or, or what I would think would be a simple timing thing, they're not getting it. These are not stupid people. These are, these are not inept people. Because if I went with them Monday morning to their place of business, whatever they do, I would be what they are right now they they're- they're typing on a keyboard, and I can't even find the R to start typing my name uh or or they're picking up a seven h wrench and and uh well what's the difference between this wrench and that wrench, and they're competent at something the vast majority of them they're not stupid people, they're intelligent people, but they put themselves in a vulnerable space. For the weekend, and by showing up there, it's, to some degree, they're admitting, I don't know how to do this very well, but I want to get better. And so, for me, not to be condescending, not to look down on them, certainly not to infer uh, that they're stupid or make them feel stupid. Uh, that's a big part of my mindset going into these things. Hats off to them that they would even show up.
2: So, kind of going off of that 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 thought and, and thought process in general. What would, you, what would your advice be to somebody who has never attended either one of your clinics or just a clinic in general? Like, what, what would you tell mm-hmm. them the takeaway is? I know that I would probably tell them it's okay to suck because that's why we're all there, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you were perfect, you wouldn't be going. So I've, I've been to clinics where, you know, it, this one example was a team roping clinic, and they were all like, this is the worst I've ever roped, and we're doing so poorly and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're changing the way that you ride. Why would you be roping better right away? Like, it's going to take some repetition and time. And and your horse is trying to figure out why your body position is different all of a sudden. So that, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I know that would be my thought.
1: Yep. Yeah. And there are a few things that I encourage people to do when they think about coming to a clinic. Those are great points that you've already brought up. You know, one of the first things early on is make sure you're going to the right clinic. You know that that you can be prepared for to learn the most. If you know if uh, I don't know if Brad Bar- Barkemeyer is, is putting together a a cow working clinic, but you know you're just trying to get your horse to lope on his left and right lead. Maybe you need more of a horsemanship based clinic. You're not you're not ready to be the number. Uh, seven rider and, and uh, 15 riders are okay, now you go work the cow. Well, all right, wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't, even think, I don't think I can trot across this arena. Make, make sure you're going to the appropriate clinic. And once you're plugged in that way, uh, really encourage you to try everything that the clinician is suggesting. It might not make complete sense. Part of you might say, well, that really doesn't apply to me. I mean, you've you've come there. You 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 paid your money. You're wanting to learn something from that clinician. Go ahead and try it. You're here, and I'll tell people. So when you get home, that that particular thing might not work for you. Uh, but go ahead and try it now, and at least you can check it off the list. And then, depending on a clinician's format, you can almost hide in a clinic, and you can kind of be a wallflower. I don't want anybody to be obnoxious or, or try to dominate, but if you have a question, find an appropriate time to ask that question. If you're having difficulty, uh, because if somebody wants to kind of stay off to the side, a lot of clinicians say, well, I guess that's all they want. So you, you made a lot of effort and spent a lot of money to be there. Don't be afraid to ask those questions and and try what they are suggesting and Stay engaged even when they're not helping you and your horse. There's a mentality to, well, it's not my turn. I'm just going to sit here and look at my phone or whatever. There's so much to learn and glean as we're watching another rider work through that and see the struggles that they have and see what the clinician offers to them for advice. I think that's why those people that come to audit or spectate a clinic, if they will stay intellectually engaged, they can learn more than the person that's riding. Because if you're riding, you're just so focused on you and your horse, you miss all the other things that are going on. But if you're just sitting in a lawn chair and and you put the effort into it, you can, as the old horseman said, you can observe and remember and compare. Oh, well, that's how the clinician helped that horse. Oh, and this this problem over here looked almost identical, but he had a different idea for that horse and rider. And uh, you can make notes on that, whether physical notes or mental notes, and learn so much. So those are just a few things that I think about. As far as people go to clinics,
0: that's such great advice. And thank you so much for coming on today. You know, I think we've taken up plenty of your time already, so we can go ahead and you know let you get back to your your um, day. But oh. so before we go, is there is there uh, any anywhere that people can go and find you, and where your next clinics are? Sorry, where sure. your next clinics are, and uh, mm-hmm. if they want to follow you.
1: Well, you bet, Uh, and again, uh, both Nicole and Jillian, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to visit with me today. You have honored me by doing that, and I hope that uh, your listeners glean something from everything that we've had to say. But, yeah, I'm out there in cyberspace like everybody else, wintersranch.com, or you can simply Google Richard Winters and find us. And we have a YouTube channel with all kinds of free stuff, little training tips uh, that you can go to and and get ideas about how to pick up the left lead, or how to get your horse to back away, or whatever it might be. And then our clinic schedule is on there, so uh, people can reach out to us anytime, and we're happy to visit with folks. And I'm just like them, just some kid that grew up loving horses and happy to talk with people about horses.
2: Hey, hey that's why we do it, right? I mean, Jillian and I, at the end of the day, we're just kids who loved horses, so now we get to write and photograph them. So.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's
2: awesome. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm so glad that we got to have this interview. I love talking to you, learning more about your story, learning more about, you know, the the relationship of you and your daughter and, and having a, you know, family in this industry. And it's just been such a great talk.
1: Oh, uh, You bet. So fun for me. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it.
2: Tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine
0: on social media and find us at Horse and Rider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at Horse and Rider at Equine Network.com. We want to hear from you guys.
2: And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.